Akshi, guess what? Guess what? What? It's spooky season. It's spooky season. It's spooky season. It's finally here. It's my favorite time of the year. This is the time. I think more than me, my roommates have been off the rockers, you know? Oh, yeah. Stuck googly eyes on our front door. <laughs> <laughs> Haunted. Haunted. Haunted front door. <laughs> eyeballs. It's time. It's October. And you know what time what that means, guys? Well, here on the Unfinished Mind, it means that we talk about a whole bunch of scary things for a whole month because we like How it so much. It's in my contract. Not really. But <laughs> I did suggest Brenna that. has said that, you know, October, long. we only do creepy episodes. <laughs> as long as I'm here, this will as long as here. <laughs> so that said, today we're going to be talking about creepy pasta and urban legends uh, throughout history, uh, but mainly in the in the modern era, the things that perhaps Gen Z and some millennials will be intimately familiar with because we all grew up with them. Yep. So that said, let's get into it. Fun. Fun, fun indeed. So first of all, let's talk about what an urban legend is, what it means to be an urban legend. An urban legend or myth or tale is a modern genre of folklore that often consists of fictional stories associated with the macabre, superstitions, ghosts, demons, cryptids, and extraterrestrials, and all sorts of other fear-generating narrative elements. Urban legends are often rooted in local history and popular culture. So one type of urban legend that has been around maybe the longest is the Penny Dreadfuls. This was a a cheap, popular serial literature that was produced during the 19th century in the United Kingdom. Uh, Of course, I mean, the history of urban legends goes back way, 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 way further than than that. Every single culture has their own. Everything is very like you know, word of mouth folklore. But then when we started writing them down and making it like a subgenre that our culture is obsessed with, the Penny Dreadful is like a really good example of one of those early sort of fanzines that people were making about, uh, about creepy stuff. So the pejorative term Penny Dreadful is roughly interchangeable with Penny Horrible, Awful, and Penny Blood. So just some really fun, quirky 19th century names there. These were typically referred to a story published in weekly parts of eight to 16 pages, and each one cost one penny. So kind of like an early comic book. The subject matter of these stories was typically sensational and focused on the exploits of detectives, criminals, or supernatural entities. And they made a TV show out of it later, which we'll get into. Another genre, perhaps, uh, that came about once the internet was a thing um, and we could actually share things virtually without really having to credit an author is the concept of creepypasta. These are horror related legends that have been shared around on the internet and have become a catch all term for any horror content posted onto the internet. This includes like photos and stories and all sorts of things. These entries are often brief user generated paranormal stories intended to scare readers. And some involve murder, suicide, ghosts, and zombies. Most well-known, for example, is probably Slenderman, which we will definitely be discussing in detail below. Uh, but I do just want to mention one of the most famous and oldest American, I think. I think it started in America. Don't quote me on that. Because these things are, you know, it's like it's like cancer it spreads all over and gets wow. convoluted. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows yeah. where Hookman started? But Hookman. Yeah. Let's talk about Hookman. So... 
Hookman uh, was is is seen as this sort of like killer figure with a pirate like hook for a hand, and he uh, attacks a couple in a car. They never really see the Hookman; they just see the hook left on the door by the Hookman. And this is typically a faceless, silhouetted old man with a raincoat and a rain hat, and no features, pretty much. It seems that this story began to circulate in the 1950s in the U.S., but the origin is completely not fully known. And now it's a meme. So it's even further like spiraled out of control than that. So doesn't Hookman just like attack them and then go where does he kill them? He well, there's a there's a, several different versions of the of the tale. Okay. One the one I heard first, I think, was the couple was in the car and right. then Hookman started scratching and the the male of the hetero couple went outside to investigate and was killed. And so like the girl was too scared to go outside and didn't. And then when morning came, she was like, Oh my gosh, my boyfriend hasn't returned. Whatever could have happened to him. And she gets outside of the car finally. And he's like dead on the roof and the hook is on the outside of the car. He's dead on the roof. Yeah. Of the car. So I don't know how she didn't notice that one. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, Oh, so she has no idea what happened to her boyfriend. (laughs) Right, 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 right. So I guess he blacked out with fear or something. Uh, but that is one of the versions of the story I've heard. I see. Well, coming into another story is the story about Krampus. So Krampus is a horned anthropomorphic figure in central and eastern alpine folklore who during the Christmas season scares children who have misbehaved. So he's like, what's the what's the green guy? The green guy. Grinch. The, yeah. The green guy, the Grinch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Grinch. That one. Yes. He's kind um, of like that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so assisting St. Nicholas or Santa Claus, the pair visit children on the night of 25th December with St. Nicholas rewarding the well-behaved children with modest gifts such as oranges, dried fruit, walnuts, and chocolate, while the badly behaved ones only receive punishment from Krampus with birch rods. If I was receiving fruits for Christmas, I think I did something wrong, but that's just me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Getting into another story, we have one of the favorite, one of my favorites is Bloody Mary. I think we did this really stupid challenge as kids where we would go up in front of the mirror, <laughs> say Bloody Mary three times, rotate three times and wait for her to just come out of the mirror and kill you. That was the, that was the thing. So Bloody Mary is a legend of a ghost, phantom or spirit conjured to reveal the future. All the recent adaptations of this have made her a malevolent spirit that kills anyone who calls her. Set to appear in a mirror when her name is chanted repeatedly, Bloody Mary, the Bloody Mary challenge became a trend back in the early 2010s. And this is like approximation because I think it stayed on for a while. Um, and right, so now we have the story of the Chupacabra. This is a legendary creature in the folklore of parts of the Americas with its first purported sighting reported in Puerto Rico in 1995. This creature is said to drink the blood of goats vampirically and is usually reported as being reptilian or alien-like. So I think the story goes that these farmers found their goats dead with their blood drained and they had like two holes on the side of their neck. Mm -hmm. So it was like, that's a chupacabra. Chupacabra. 
<laughs> nice that's great <laughs> so we this is not necessarily a creature but this is also part of the creepypasta folklore we have walt disney's cryo chamber i love um, this one i love this one <laughs> legend claiming that after his death walt disney's body or in some versions just his head was placed in a cryo cryostasis chamber located somewhere beneath disney world or epcot I fully believe it. I'm a Walt Disney cryo head truth. <laughs> they have preserved him for whatever reason. And this is one of the ones that had picked up like popularity just a couple of years ago um, with, you know, everything else was Area 51. <laughs> uh, yes. I the Area 51 memes. It's I okay. I mean, yeah, it did regain popularity, but I think it first came around in like the 60s or 70s. Like it's an old one. Really? It's an old one. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. So it just like had a spike in popularity recently. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So for those who have no idea what I'm talking about, Area 51 is a portion of Edwards Air Force Base in Nevada that UFO enthusiasts have theorized contains evidence of visitors from outer space. It is commonly thought to support the development and testing of experimental aircraft and weapon systems, but intense secrecy on the government's part has brought speculation and conspiracy theories. So, you know, active imagination here. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. I know Area 51 especially has fostered a lot of of theorizing, (laughs) a lot of movies too over the years. It's a good one. It's a good one. So let's talk about another sort of Latin American uh, myth and legend of old uh, ghost story, really. La Llorona, which means the weeping woman in Spanish, is a Hispanic American mythical vengeful ghost who is said to roam waterfront areas mourning her children whom she drowned because she was in love with her husband and her husband cheated on her and then she drowned her children in sorrow and then she 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 completed suicide in the depths of her sorrow and it's a very tragic beautiful story and it's just a ghost story but i sorry i'm passionate about this one because i have a piece of art that's based on la llorona la llorona so i have to like i have to like know my history anyways um yeah. This is most commonly associated with the colonial era and the dynamic between Spanish conquistadors and indigenous women. Uh, the most common lore about La Llorona includes her initially being an indigenous woman who murdered her own children, which she bore from a wealthy Spaniard, Spaniard after he abandoned her. So this is now very well known in both Mexico and the Southwest United States, as well as other parts of Latin America. Another one uh, that comes from old American legends is that of the Wendigo. The Wendigo is a Native American folklore legend that describes a mythological creature or evil spirit which originates from the Algonquin culture based in and around the East Coast forests of Canada, the Great Plains region of the U.S., and the Great Lakes region of the U.S. and Canada. So this particular legend, and I'm sorry if I've mispronounced Wendigo, I've heard it Wendigo and Wendigo based on either Supernatural's way of saying it or the way I hear some other people say it uh, just around town. Anyways. They're often said to be a malevolent spirit, sometimes depicted as creatures with human-like characteristics who can possess human beings. And they're also said to invoke feelings of insatiable greed and hunger and the desire to cannibalize other humans, as well as the propensity to commit murder in those that fall under its influence. It's associated with winter, the north, coldness, famine, and starvation. So pretty dark, pretty dark urban legend there. 
to lighten things up a bit, uh, let's talk about a, an Appalachian legend of old. Bigfoot, a.k.a. Sasquatch, is a folklore legend that describes an ape-like creature that is reported to inhabit the forests of North America, particularly in the Appalachian region. Many of the indigenous cultures across the North American continent also include tales of mysterious hair-covered creatures living in forests. Uh, this was popularized into mainstream American culture once people started the search for Bigfoot. Bigfoot is an icon within the fringe subculture of cryptozoology, which is a pseudoscience that searches for and studies unknown legendary or extinct animals whose present existence is disputed or unsubstantiated. Examples include the Yeti, the Loch Ness Monster, and even more. And Bigfoot is, to this day, an enduring element of popular culture. Like Bigfoot. Bigfoot's a good one. Yeah, I like so, that one. Yeah. So there's so many of these stories, and I'm sure like you found some that you have definitely heard of or have been told about. Um, and, you know, it's it's interesting to see how these kind of short little um, myths, scary myths, how they start and how they spread. So getting into the etymology of creepypasta, why is it called creepypasta? Uh, the term arose from image board 4chan around 2007. So the term is derived from copypasta, which refers to text that is virally copied and pasted. If you've ever received huge blocks of text that's just been like circulating the internet, that's where it comes from. That's a copypasta. And it originated in an anonymous community forum uh, by a user named 4chan in 2006. And creepy indicates the horror genre nature of these copypastas. And thus, creepypasta refers to modern horror stories circulated on the Internet. So once this entire like concept came to be, there were multiple platforms that supported these stories. Perhaps the earliest occurrence of creepypasta when the form of chainmail describing disturbing or gory occurrences or sometimes threatening retribution if email recipients did not forward the message to a certain number of people. Send this to 10 of your friends or face the consequences. <laughs> I I might have actually done a couple out of sheer oh, no. my life. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know how I was going to get hurt, but I knew something was hurting me and I needed to do it. Yeah. So, you know, it really got to me. So 4chan was a popular platform used to share such short stories. And 4chan posts are anonymous. So tracking original authors is super duper difficult. So you could you could have written a story up there, honestly. And on 4chan, posts that stop receiving interaction ultimately just disappear, which is very cool. And popular stories tended to be retold and reposted. So they remained relevant and memorable even after the original source got lost. So if people liked the story, they kept the story and they kept it going. Reddit also has a collection of 4chan-derived creepypasta. They also have their own horror-centric subreddit communities. And some that might be familiar to you is r slash no sleep. No sleep is a place for Redditors to share their scary personal experiences. I have not personally read through these, but I don't think I should. They're scary. <laughs> oh my. Okay, we're not doing that. <laughs> uh, the second one is r slash three kings. The three mm -hmm. kings corner is a paranormal, our paranormal experiments, a subreddit to share experiences following any kind of paranormal recipe or ritual. Not just the titular 
three kings. Those are the worst, I think. I Those rituals terrify. Okay, so they tell you how to summon these things? Is that what yeah. this is? Yeah, it's very oh, much God. like Bloody Mary. Think Bloody Mary, but like way worse. <laughs> And like more risky or like the elevator game is a classic. Someone oh actually my. died okay. associated with that one once. Anyways, yeah. Damn, this seems um, just a little bit unsafe, but you know, it's mm-hmm. there. And the third, we have r slash two sentence horror. Give us your scariest story in two sentences or less. Um, so these oh, are just some kind of fun, you know, it's like a fun little writing prompt. <laughs> yeah, I think like if y'all have any, send to us. <laughs> on our Instagram. We would like to hear your two-sentence horror stories. Please do. Yeah. And last but not least, we have Tumblr. Tumblr's layout is blog format, allowing content creators to cultivate a very specific thematic layout for their blog. For example, Slenderman, paranormal activities, etc. They get to like section those things out and do it and write about it however they choose to. And Tumblr has a unique tagging system that further allows users to build a niche stream of content relating to their search interests, creators, and topics. This builds a community between posting similar content and users engaging in similar content. The hashtag creepypasta tag has 36,000 followers and thousands of blogs are dedicated to short urban legends and other horror-related content. So this is definitely very, very big on the internet, at least. Agreed. And one thing that must be noted, of course, is these platforms are not always the origin or the sort of database repository of these legends. If they're good enough, they migrate. And Tumblr especially, I think, came about after this particular site was invented. But we must talk about the ancestor of all creepypasta, creepypasta.com, which (laughs) holds and houses all the canonical creepypastas of of today uh the the rest of them in my opinion are just like urban legends and horror stories it's not a creepy pasta unless Got it's it. on creepypasta.com yeah that's obviously not true because it like started on 4chan and reddit but because there's now a creepypasta.com to me that's that's where it's at <laughs> So eventually, creepypasta.com was formed and curated a collection of popular horror stories. The managers of the site maintain anonymity, but two previous site managers included the the lovely, charming names of Derpbutt and Chris Maxim. Uh, I love the internet for that. Really (laughs) good job, everyone. You did a great, great work. Uh, This website now accepts original horror stories, 500 words and above. So it's just like a cool place that anonymous writers can go and dump their work if they want. Um, And they release new content daily. Creepypastas are attractive to a lot of people. I remember when I was a young kid and I was like up late at night Googling creepypastas so that I could read them because I was like, ooh, spooky. Ha ha ha. (laughs) Story. You know, kid stuff. Um, But the reason that they're so maybe appealing is because most of the stories are passed off as true or having have happened to a friend or a friend of a friend. Right. And it feels more personal and therefore more sinister. Like it really could have happened. Not just a, not just a fake legend. Right. And these creepypasta are also intended to evoke emotions of fear and disgust, which are important for our survival. Um, Most people post, People post more and more about popular stories 
building lore that engages people over long periods of time. So this builds like a sort of community and like instinctual drive to learn about the things that may be able to hurt us. Like, especially if we think that they're real and a lot of like young people on the internet will think they're real. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting way for people to bond. And then, you know, if you choose to believe them or not, that's, that's on you. That's on you. Let's talk about some OG creepypasta stories. We're not going to get too deep into this, but we'll tell you some of the classics. So Ted the Cart, Ted the Caver was an early creepypasta story written in blog post format that described a group of friends exploring a cave, but encountering deeply unsettling experiences the further they ventured into the cave. The probably most popular creepypasta of all time is that of the Slender Man, which was one of the first and primary creepypasta stories responsible for the massive boom in or- urban horror popularity. Slenderman is a humanoid entity with a blank white face. He wears a black suit and is known for killing children. And several horror, horror stories feature Slenderman sightings. So there's a large body of writing dedicated to him across all platforms. Uh, Slenderman literature was so popular that he inspired the formation of cult worshippers and led to real-life violence, which we'll discuss in more detail below. Uh, so... Actually, Slenderman and the next the next two that we're going to talk about here, Slenderman and Jeff the Killer, were both made from pictures originally. It was just like pictures that somebody edited to look really creepy. And then the stories came out about them. So they started from a, an image, which is a unique style of modern creepypasta that did That's not. an interesting origin. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because like ancient word of mouth horror stories don't couldn't really work like that. Right. Yeah. So interesting that that this sort of internet time has given us a new medium to scare each other with yeah Um, yeah so speaking of jeff the killer this was another popular one of just like a very scary smiling man sort of thing but actually the picture was was created as a it was made to bully someone which is very very sad um and from that the origin story it was this is like a real person's picture that was photoshopped to look really terrifying to bully that person. So that's extremely sad. And I hope that their identity has remained hidden in the annals of history, or at least we're not going to repeat it here. Yeah. Um, But the character, Jeff, the killer who came later on creepypasta.com was the victim to bullying and ended up killing his bullies in self-defense. He's admitted to a hospital due to setting being set on fire during that altercation. So he gets like this really crazy white skin and like, kind of like the Joker. He looks kind of like the Joker. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, kills his family, real, real scary. And he always whispers, go to sleep before murdering people. And he just kind of goes on a killing spree. So that was a really popular one. People just loved that, uh, which is kind of kind of wild, kind of crazy of us that we liked that as a generation. It's like our own form of thrill seeking, a very like, interesting form of thrill seeking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the same reason people seek out true crime, right? And uh, yeah. that kind of stuff. So I don't know. It's interesting. Another one was Ben Drowned, which is a story about a college student named Matt who buys a used copy of the of the name of the game, The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask uh, from an elderly man. And man, Matt thinks he hears the man call him Ben as he leaves, but thinks little of it. And upon deleting the file, uh, Matt just notices like disturbing glitches with the game and comes to the realization that Ben drowned like the previous owner of the game named Ben drowned and now haunts the game as a ghost. So that's a classic. Yeah. See, well, we've talked a little bit about these stories, but you know, unfortunately our, our 
our need to find that thrill kind of sometimes ends up leaving the the bounds of the internet and seeps into real life, which can get a little bit gruesome, a little bit scary. So there has been creepypasta inspired crimes that have occurred real in real life. So a couple of them are um, one that was inspired by Slenderman and it was an attempted murder in real life. It was called the Slenderman stabbing and it was in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Two 12 year old girls, Anissa Wire and Morgan Geyser, lured their friend Peyton Lutner into force and attempted to murder her by stabbing her. They hoped to appease and attract Slenderman by killing their friend. So as, mesh, as Ren had mentioned before, um, Slenderman had a cult following. So this was a part of like that ritualistic behavior um, to appease Slenderman. And miraculously, and thank God, Peyton survived by crawling into a nearby road and seeking help from a cyclist. Anissa and Morgan were found not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect. However, they were still sentenced to 25 plus years in mental health institutions. A second story is um, the story of a 14-year-old girl in Florida who attempted to burn her house down with a bedsheet and towels soaked in bleach and rum. She had well-known obsessions with Slenderman and claimed to have been inspired by the character. So while the direct association is not exactly clear, this seems to be an extension of um, Slenderman cult-like behavior. <laughs> Another story from Florida is a couple of parents hired a clown to scare and discipline their daughter. That is very interesting. In 2016, a viral video went around the internet of a clown crawling out from under a young girl's bed and giving her a stuffed animal. Apparently, her parents thought it would be a phenomenal idea to keep their daughter from acting up by hiring a clown to scare her. The clown was named Wrinkles the Clown, and the whole thing was supposed to be inspired by various creepypastas involving clowns and people under your bed. I remember this one. That's this was terrifying. What, Wrinkles what the Clown was scary looking. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I don't understand. Yeah, I, I don't know. It was in 2016, too, which was like the height of the clown craze. Insane. Yeah. Oh, Ugh. my God. I don't get how that would discipline anybody, but, you know, it would really scare the heavy jibbies out of me. Yeah, so. I would need therapy for sure. <laughs> oh, my God. So we've talked about all of these stories and true crime related to these stories. And we we should talk a little bit about how these short horror stories um, made it onto popular media um, recently. So common tropes from creepypasta that have seeped into mainstream media. One of them is how a narrator talks about someone as if they're alive, but, you know, kind of bamboozles you with a little plot twist that goes, not really, they're actually dead. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> and the second one is the narrator is actually the killer, which is kind of interesting. And the third is a thing hiding at a spooky place does nothing more than what a regular serial killer does. What does that mean? <laughs> so I take it to mean like when you look at a spooky place and you think like, oh, it's a monster there. It's not. It's just like. It's just like a human who kills people because that is the regular. Okay. Serial <laughs> I don't like that. Yeah. Icky. Well, it is icky. And, you know, it, I think it goes without 
any any doubt that these kind of stories have also taken adaptations in video games, books, and movies. For example, is The Backrooms. The Backrooms is an urban legend and creepypasta originated from a 4chan comment in which a user developed a story based on an eerie image, just as Ren was talking about. The Backrooms are described by the 4chan user to be an endless maze of the stink of old moist carpet, the madness of mono yellow, and endless background noise of fluorescent lights. God save you if you hear something wandering around nearby because it sure as hell has heard you. Yeah. Terrifying. <laughs> Several developers have created their own take on this backroom uh, in video game form. The Backrooms game free edition was released in August 2022, so literally a month ago. And by it was released by Pie on a Plate Productions and was a big hit among Steam players. And, you know, the feeling of the back rooms, like once you've seen some pictures of these creepy spaces, you know, you've been to the back rooms before. Yeah. Yeah. You've been there. It's like a liminal space. You're like, oh, oh, God. No. (laughs) Hospitals feel like that. It's crazy. So another very famous one is the Russian sleep experiment, which, as far as I'm aware, did start as a creepypasta where five people in a Soviet era experiment are promised freedom if they stay, they're prisoners, that's important to say, they're promised freedom if they stay awake for 30 days while being exposed to a sleep-inhibiting drug. As a result, they become fearful of falling asleep and perform gruesome acts to themselves, one another, and research personnel. And there's this very haunting, clearly photoshopped image from it that is quite spooky of like what the drug and not sleeping did to their bodies. Very gross. Very gross. Sometimes I close my eyes and I see him there and it's very scary. Oh my God. (laughs) Well, I'm sure this is a story that most of y'all might be familiar with. It is that of Annabelle. Annabelle is a haunted Raggedy Ann doll that has been named to be responsible for a series of horrifying events. The stories of Annabelle have been turned into several movie series such as Annabelle and The Conjuring. So, you know, if you're looking for a horror movie marathon this this month of October, definitely put Annabelle on that list. Another urban legend is the Men in Black. Men in Black began uh, from, it was derived from US UFO conspiracies where they are named to be an evil organization that aims to subdue the public's knowledge about aliens by intimidating those who talk about them. The movies Men in Black were based on this urban legend. However, the movies portray them as heroes and not villains. Yeah, it's Will Smith. It's, it's Will Smith and that <laughs> other. Can't be angry at Will Smith. Yeah. <laughs> I, why can't I remember the other guy's name? You know, the other guy. They're great. The other, one. the other man in black. The other man in black. The one, you know. Uh, yeah. And then just again to bring up Slender Man, because we must. Uh, Slender Man got turned into a video game, really popular video game, and lots of YouTube content creators and streamers made series, series, serials, made several sequential videos about <laughs> playing the game because of its horror elements. Uh, this creepypasta was also turned into a movie in 2018 where a group of friends try to conjure Slender Man, resulting in one friend going missing. So, oh my. Very, very spooky. I definitely watched PewDiePie play this game. It was great. 
Oh, me too. Like multiple yeah. times, I think. Markiplier. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I was watching those for sure. Great. And as Ren had mentioned earlier, we talked a little bit about Penny Dreadful. And now Penny Dreadful is a psychological thriller TV series that ran from 2014 to 2016. And it looks at the original stories from many 19th century literary characters, such as Dorian Gray, Count Dracula, Victor Frankenstein, Frankenstein, and Henry Jekyll. And guys, it's so good. Go out there and watch Penny Dreadful. It's so good. And just like gritty. <laughs> it's just really good. Nobody it's gives it the credit it deserves. Anyways. Speaking of credit it deserves or doesn't, <laughs> you you decide. Supernatural. <laughs> Supernatural is maybe one of the most like popular shows for portraying urban legends and silly, goofy, uh, old school horror in a in a new way. Uh, they also use a lot of like biblical overtures and things like that, of course. Um, and it's a TV series that ran from 2005 to 2020 and followed brothers who hunt the supernatural. Eric Kripke, the creator, was interested in urban legends since childhood and drew on these stories as inspiration references when creating the show. It includes a lot of these urban legends, including La Llorona, Wendigo, Hookman, Skin, oh, yeah, SWs, as they're often called, or flesh pedestrians, as some podcasts like to refer to them, uh, that those are also mentioned in here along with like vampires and like ghosts and angels and demons and stuff supernatural is really good uh it is just kind of a lot to ingest and it's very tropey but you know what it's good i i admit i watch it i watch it i i'd watch it again today good. <laughs> well even if later, you wouldn't so. watch it naturally do it this month do it right now yeah during spooky yeah. season watch an episode of supernatural and just see how you feel just get through like an episode or two just try it just try it on see what happens um <laughs> so yeah that's some spooky stuff for you more to come and more to come and more to come so actually what's we have to close by discussing what's your favorite urban legend Ooh, okay here's something how about i just expose myself on here okay Bye. do it <laughs> dressed up as Jeff the Killer. <laughs> Very many Halloweens ago. So I spent a lot of time doing my research on this legend and it freaked me out so much that I decided to embody it. And you know, I, I really like, respect that. I really yeah. do. I have also I have also dressed up as my fair share of of unnamed <laughs> characters. I won't admit to it. I refuse, but I've done All it. Right. I'm in your boat. Uh, but yeah, I, Jeff the Killer used to scare me so bad that what I did do was like exposure therapy. That was the first creepypasta I ever encountered. And yeah. I like, I, I was like, oh my God, this picture is so scary. I'm terrified of it. So I'm going to look at it a lot. I'm going to look at it all the time. And then I'm going to learn everything about it. And then I'm going to learn everything about everything else on that website. Yeah. in order to overcome my fear. And I did. And it was yeah. maybe bad for my mental health, but I wasn't scared of them anymore. So that's good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you you worked. You'd work. Exposure therapy worked. Exposure therapy worked. And that's yeah. why you should all go watch Supernatural and Penny Dreadful. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week on The Unfinished Mind. And we'll be sure to spook you out again next week. I've been Ren. And I've been Akshi. And we shall see you later. Goodbye. Boo. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> the Unfinished Mind is brought to you by the Polymathic Scholars. 
Our script writers this week were Ariane Ostrio, Neha Yawalker, Darshan Selva Kumar, and Niels Levy Dubo. Sound designed by Jensen Richardson and Amaris Mendoza. Produced by Liz Kinnerk and Bill Tang. Our publicist is Claire Nevins. Hosted by Ren Smith and Akshi Punk. Thanks for listening, and remember to follow your curiosity.